0: and stand. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Tired of hearing about charity yet? (laughs) Amen. I'm not tired of preaching on it yet. (laughs) Nothing like the love of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll begin reading this morning verse number 4. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunted not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Brother Don, could you pray for the message this morning? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Can you make sure they got enough heat back there? Sorry. I just hit my mind. I know the nursery gets very cold. All right. So we're going to continue uh, preaching on charity this morning. Um like I said, there's nothing like the love of God. That's what charity is. Charity is, it's a giving love. It's the way that God loves. Uh, it's the way that we're supposed to love. It's a love that gives and expects nothing in return. Uh, charity is love in its fullest, and most extensive meaning. True love to God and man, a benevolent disposition of mind towards our fellow Christians, growing out of sincere and fervent uh, devotion to God. Um, you know we spend a lot of time preaching against sin, and we should. <laughs> Amen. That's part of the problem with today. There's not enough preaching against sin. Uh, we spent months and months and months preaching on the flesh and how horrible our flesh is. And it is horrible. And it needed all, that, all those messages on the flesh. Um, but man, isn't it nice to, it's a refreshing thing to, to hear about the love of God. Um, and not just the love of God, but it's also convicting knowing that that's how we're supposed to love. You know, when you, when you read that chapter and you read all these different things about charity, I mean, you can replace the word charity with Jesus, right? And it rings true. Jesus suffered long. Right? Jesus is kind. Jesus envieth not. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a blessing, and it's true. The hard part of this chapter is when you put your name in there for charity. <laughs> Andrew suffereth long, sometimes. <laughs> all right? You, when you start putting your own name, when you insert your name in there for charity, how much of that actually is true? Um, but I, I am, I've been looking forward to getting to this. This is the 16th thing we've been preaching on charity. And charity in verse 8 never faileth. Charity never fails. And when you think about failure, failure is a, a part of life, right? Unfortunately, it happens all the time in all aspects of life. Marriages fail, businesses fail, relationships fail, churches fail, people fail. They fail school. They fail work. They, uh, you think of buildings, right? In construction, homes fail, right? Bridges fail, uh, surgeries fail, medications fail, politicians fail, over and over and over again. Government fails. A lot of things fail, and a lot of things succeed, but the things that don't fail always have the potential to fail. Right? There's always a chance of failure. Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. You might fail charity, but charity won't ever fail you. And what we're going to look at this morning, what we're going to preach on is why do things in life fail? But why doesn't charity fail? Well, first off, I'll tell you that charity... Is never defective. It's never defective. Some things fail because they're defective. They got a problem. They have an imperfection. They weren't constructed right. Uh, they they have an imperfection that results in destruction. Right? Uh, you see defects in, in things like cars, right? When there's a, a defect in a car, a, a the uh, manufacturer will send out a recall, right? Like there's a seatbelt, there's something with the seatbelt, there's something with the airbag, there's something wrong that we need to fix. Because if not, it's going. It's got a defect that will fail in an emergency. If you don't get this thing fixed, it could really turn out pretty bad for you. Um, I mean, we we, we got several uh, vehicles in our fleet at work, and we get recalls all the time. There's always something that that needs to be fixed. And sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's major. But there's there's defects, right? And you think about. The human body has defects sometimes. Sometimes people are born with a heart defect. Sometimes people have a, a hole in their heart, and that sometimes will uh, heal on its own over time. Sometimes it won't. Um, I have a, a heart defect. I have what's called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, right? So it's, I just have like an extra valve that connects to the uh, chambers of my heart. And when your heart pumps, it pumps out electricity throughout your body also. And think of like what happens in a closed circuit, right? The thing just keeps going and going and going, right, brother Jake? Jake's an electrician. You don't want that to happen. You don't want electricity just to go. It needs to go where it's supposed to go. Uh, well, that happens in my heart where it, these episodes will take place and, and the, the electric current just keeps going around in circles. My heartbeat can get up to over 300 beats per minute and you can see it pounding out of my chest. And sometimes I can get it to slow down on its own, but I've been sitting there not doing anything for an hour and you can just see it. It's not because I overdid it or anything, it's something just triggered it. It's a defect. All right. Well, charity is not defective. There's nothing wrong with charity. There are no imperfections that that would cause charity to be defective. Charity comes from a pure source. Charity comes from God. God's perfect, God's pure, God's sinless. And when you have true charity, right—the love that you're supposed to have towards God, towards other Christians—it comes out of a pure heart. All right, First Timothy one five says, "Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned." Charity is not defective. Um, things fail all the time because they have defects. Charity is not one of them. There's nothing wrong with charity. It's not defective. Charity never decays, right? When you think of sometimes things, uh, they start out strong, sound, or in a perfect state, only to pass gradually towards a weaker or imperfect state, which ultimately leads towards destruction. Our bodies decay, right? As you get older, you know, you might peak out at 30, 40 years old. I'm hoping 40, maybe 50, (laughs) Brother Eddie, 60, Brother Don, can we peak at 60, (laughs) But it'll start to decay. Things will start to break down. Trees decay, right? A tree could be growing strong. And, I mean, we got some big old trees out here. It'd probably been there for 100 years. But eventually those things are going to decay and fall apart. They'll become weaker. And they'll fail. They'll end up falling down because they decayed. Now, uh, you think about uh, buildings and construction. Things, as they get older, they begin to decay, especially if it's not being used. Right? When, when something is just sitting, you could use a car every single day, and it'll, you know, as long as you change the oil, keep gas in it, it'll, everything will be pretty good. You know, you keep the regular maintenance, but you let that same car sit for a couple months, you go to turn that key and nothing. Click. What, what happened? The battery died. Why? Well, it's just decaying. It's just been sitting there. Sometimes things decay, sometimes they fail because of decay. Uh, you, you, we got a nice, pretty, beautiful bridge out there going across the Potomac now. The one next to it isn't so pretty. <laughs> that thing was decaying, <laughs> falling apart, and uh, I'm surprised it didn't fail. <laughs> Thank God we got that new one up. Uh, but things decay. Some relationships decay. Right? You think about uh, you know, whether it's a friendship, whether it's an intimate relationship, sometimes those things can start out strong and start out good, that just over time they break down and they just, you know, they, they weren't what they were before. They just begin to decay. Uh, you see that example. Uh, look at Genesis. certain Genesis chapter number 29. We'll see an example of a relationship decaying and ultimately failing. I remember what happens with Jacob. Jacob uh, steals his brother's blessing right before Isaac dies. Remember Esau, Isaac tells Esau, why don't you go out and kill me a deer, make me some food, and I'll give you a blessing. Well, uh, Jacob, oh, he gets told by his mom, hey, look, why don't you go in? You're going to put these uh, goat skins on you to make you feel like a hairy man. We'll, we'll make some meat, and, and your father will bless you instead of your brother, and he deceives his old man and, and gets the blessing, and And he, he knows Esau's going to want to kill him for this, so he uh, his his mom tells him, "Why don't you run off? Go to my country. Go see my brother Laban, and go there for a little while till your brother cools down. Then you can come on back home." And we see that the, this relationship between Jacob and Laban starts out as a pretty good relationship. Alright, Look at verse number thirteen. It says and it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house and told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel." All right, so you know what happens here. Jacob says, look, I'll keep working for you, but why don't you give me Rachel? I want her to be my wife. He goes, yep, not a problem. You can have her. Serve me seven years and you can have her. Seven years goes by and and wedding day comes and he goes into the tent and only to find out it's not Rachel, but Leah. He gave him Leah. All right, and he's, what's going on? I thought we had a deal. He goes, well, it's not right for me to give you the older or the younger before the older. I had to give away my oldest daughter first. So Jacob goes, well, I want it. Rachel, all right, we'll work another seven years, and we'll work out another deal. Works another seven years, he ends up getting Rachel with the wife. And time passes, and he starts to have children. And it comes to a point where this relationship that started out good, right? Laban said, you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, we're family. My, you know, everything's good. And then as time goes on, Jacob realizes Laban's a lot like he is. And can't really put up with him because he's a deceiver, just like Jacob is. You ever notice how certain people have similar personalities? And when they have pers- those similar personalities, they, they tend to clash. They can't be around people that are like them. <laughs> so imagine what it's like. If that's you, imagine other people having to put up with you. You couldn't put up with them. Anyways, <laughs> their, their relationship begins to decay. Look at, uh, let's go to chapter number 31. Time goes on, and, and Jacob wants to get out of Dodge. He's ready to get his family, get, get his uh, cattle and everything. He spent 20 years there. He's ready just to go. And you all know how he took those sticks, and he you know, carved some of those sticks up and, and put them in the puddles and, and, and in the food source and all this for the cattle. So the ones that he wanted to be spotted or ring-streaked, you know, he, he worked things into his favor so he would get all the best cattle. All right, he worked this this uh, this deal out with Laban. Again, he's going to start deceiving Laban, and things just start to get real bad. Uh, look at chapter thirty-one, verse thirty-six. Jacob was wroth, so he starts to leave, and as they leave, Laban's going to chase him down. All right, and they're they're having this argument. Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban, and Jacob answered and said unto said to Laban, "What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast? Hast so hotly pursued after me, whereas thou hast searched all my stuff. uh, What hast thou found of all thine thy household stuff? Set set it here before my brethren and thy brethren that they may judge betwixt us both. This twenty years have I been with thee. Thy ewes uh, and thy she goats have not cast their young. And the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beast I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it of my hand. Didst thou require it, whether stolen or uh, stolen by day or stolen by night? Thus I was in the day uh, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages ten times." Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and, and the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely thou had sent me away now empty. God hath seen mine affliction and the and the labor of my hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, these children are my children, these cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. What can I do this day unto thee, uh, unto these my daughters, or unto their children? which they have So You see what's going on here? Now, before, when they first met, when their relationship first started, it was, hey, buddy, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, man, we are, you know, best buds. But over these last 20 years, that relationship has begun to decay. And now that he's given his daughters to Jacob for, for to be their, to be his wives, right, he gave them away. They're not his anymore, all right? It, I'm gonna tell any, any of you parents in here that are old enough to have children that are married or getting ready to get married once they're married they're not yours anymore all right dads if you have a daughter and she's you've given her away to a husband she belongs to her husband now stay out of it stay out of that relationship stay out of that business still have fellowship but you got to stay out of their business so many relationships get all just messed up and just ruined because of meddling in-laws on both sides, husband and wife, just just poking and prodding where they don't belong. If you're a, a, a wife or a husband, don't go running back to mom and dad telling them everything that's wrong in the relationship. Don't do that, because you now you're dragging them into it. And what happens is you get a situation like this where Jacob is taking what is his, his wives, his children, his cattle that he earned, he's taking them out. Laban's coming back going, No, 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 no. These are my daughters. These are my children. Oh, are they are your seed? No, they're Jacob's, but he's, you see, he's controlling. It, this relationship has totally just fallen apart. That happens with relationships. They fail because they begin to decay. Um, I have found charity to be the exact opposite. Charity doesn't decay. I've, I've seen over time charity only gets stronger. Right. Look, let's look at um, Acts chapter 15. The more time passes, the stronger charity grows. I feel like God loves me more. I know He does. I know the love that He had for me when He saved me is the same that now. But I feel like that charity has grown stronger. I feel like I know my love for Him has grown stronger over time. Because the the more I get to know Him, the more I get to know me, and I realize what He's got to put up with, and what He has put up with, and what He has been long-suffering towards. How much he's put up with and just looked the other way and just shook his head and go, Man, why do you keep doing that? You know, just like I, just like I do with my kids, just like you do with your kids. God's done it with us. But you know, we see, uh, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. And here in Acts chapter 15, this is early on in, in Paul's ministry. Uh, Paul got saved over there in Acts uh, chapter 9. All right, yep, Acts 9. Acts 8 was the Ethiopian eunuch. All right, so Acts chapter 9, Saul gets saved. He's now the Apostle Paul. He's starting to become one of the the leaders in the church. And he's he's starting to bounce around and go place to place and preach and going on these missionary journeys. Uh, Pick it up in verse number 36. Some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. He said, look, we've gone and preached, let's go back there and see how everyone's doing. Make sure they're taking heed to what we preach, they're doing right, and if not, you know, we'll write them a couple letters and get them straight. Um, so he's, he said, look, let's go do that. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So you see what's happening here? Early on in Paul's ministry, there's some contention with him and another brother. Now, what we're going to see, as you go through and read that, it doesn't look like either one of them are really in the wrong. Right? Paul's got good reason to, to be mad at John Mark here. See, back there in, in chapter 13, you'll see that uh, we're not going to turn there, but Paul was preaching, and he, he, he has this battle, you know, if you would, this argument with these people and the people he's preaching, and he blinds them for like a month. And he does that, and John Mark seems to not take that very well. You know, you're preaching a little hard there, brother. You know, I don't know. You know Maybe you need to have a little bit more grace. Maybe you need to preach on more charity. Maybe you need to not preach this. What, how, whatever the situation was, in Acts 13, 13, we see that John Mark leaves. Right? They're continuing their mission. They're continuing to preach. But John Mark just ups and leaves. So then when Paul tells Barnabas, hey, let's go check on all these people, he goes, all right, yeah, let's bring John Mark. He said, I'm not taking that quitter. He left us. I'm not no. I'm not doing that. And you know what? What you know what I see in this? That sometimes God can take that contention between two brothers and still use them to reach other people. See, I, I don't know uh, if Paul and Barnabas and John Mark would have been able to reach as many people if they didn't split up. Sometimes God can take that contention. You know, who's wrong? Who's right? Does, does it matter? There was contention so sharp they couldn't be together, but they had to separate. But we're talking about charity. It seems as Paul gets older, though, he begins to have a little bit more charity because that charity gets a little stronger in time. Look at Second Timothy chapter four. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter four. Paul is—he's uh, getting ready to head to the chopping block. All right, he is about to be executed. Um, in verse 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He knows it's about the end. It's about to be done. He's writing to Timothy, look, you're going to carry the torch, you know, but I'm about to go. Verse 9, he tells Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. See that love there? He loved the present world. Not all love is good. Demas lost his charity and, and replaced it with just love. Uh, So he leaves Paul and departed unto Thessalonica and the Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. What changed, Paul? That that Mark right there, that's John Mark, who in Acts chapter 15, Paul said, no, don't, don't bring him. And there was so much contention that him and Barnabas had to split up. See, I think as Paul got older, his charity grew. I think his love for the brethren, his love for God grew stronger and stronger. We see that he talks about that in in chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3.10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. See, Paul, as he grew older, got a little bit more charitable. Had a little bit more charity about him. He he wasn't ready to throw Mark away anymore. John Mark it wasn't good, you know, back in Acts chapter 15. He said, no, I don't want him. Now he says he's profitable for the ministry. That's well, just a little charity. See, that relationship grew stronger over time. It didn't decay. Charity never fails. Why? Because it, it never decays. I'll tell you this. Charity never deviates. It never deviates. It never changes companies have gone over gone under and failed because they got away from what made them successful Right? you get there's so many examples of that just you know they started out one way and then oh let just pushing towards more money more greed more and let's do this, this this getting away from what was successful they deviated their plan and fell on their face well coca-cola didn't go out of business but back in 1985, they were losing their uh, market share to other non-cola beverages, and and blind taste tests were suggesting that people preferred the sweeter tasting Pepsi to their Coke, uh, Coca-Cola. Amen. I'm with you, brother. Uh, I'm a Pepsi guy. Uh, don't tell my union brothers that; they'll freak out because Coca-Cola is union and Pepsi's non-union, so not allowed to like blue soda. But so Coca-Cola came out with New Coke back in the Um, mid-80s. Coca-Cola executives announced that, um, well, that was New Coke came out, but after backlash from consumers, only 79 days later, after the release of New Coke, Coca-Cola executives announced the return of the original formula. (laughs) Even though New Coke stayed around for about almost 20 years, about 15, 17 years, um, they then had to come out with Coca-Cola Classic, right? It was the classic taste, because there was so much backlash to... New Coke. All right, well, that again, the new Coke continued to be marketed and sold as Coke, uh, as Coke 2 or Coca Cola, uh, New Coke until 1992 when it was renamed Coke 2, while the original formula was named Coca Cola Classic. Coke 2 was discontinued in July 2002. Now, this deviation didn't put Coca Cola out of business, but it did cost them $30 million in unsold inventory. I don't care who you are, that's a lot of money. Coca-Cola doesn't want to take $30 million of cash on a pallet and just lay it on fire. But that's what happened basically because they deviated from their original ways. They deviated from their original plan. Why? Because... You know, we just got to gotta keep up with everyone else. The time, as times change, now this new Pepsi products out. Now there's Mountain Dew. There's all these non-Cola stuff, right? That we're losing our share. We got to change things up. So what do they do? They start changing Bibles. The, the, new, the King James Bible isn't good anymore. We got to go to the new international version or the new King James. We got to deviate from what has always worked and what's always been perfect, what has always gotten us to where we are. But we deviated, and now things start to go downhill. You see how Christianity has just gone just straight down since the early 1900s when all these new versions started coming in. What happened? They deviated. Charity doesn't deviate. Charity doesn't change. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change. I I like the uh the old illustration, this this couple, you know, they they get married and uh, you know, the they're just it's an old you know, this farmer, right, and he's got this old pickup truck. And as they're driving down the road, his wife is always just sitting right there in the middle, right next to him. You know, I can just picture Brother Hank and and Miss Margaret, right? Just sitting side by side. And as the years gone on, she she works her way over to the passenger seat. All right, and, and thing Things just deviated. Things changed. And as they're driving down the road one day, she says, You know, honey, I, there used to be a time where me and you just, we, we could never be separated. We always sat together. And he said, "Hun, i I'm still in the same spot. I haven't moved. Someone else deviated. Right? Charity won't deviate. Charity won't start to change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The personification of charity never changes, never deviates, it never fails. Charity never diminishes, it never diminishes, it never lessens or gets smaller, it's constant. It's faithful, charity is faithful, it won't diminish. Uh, As time keeps moving forward and technology is ever advancing, uh, there have been many companies that have failed because uh, the need for the need for them diminished. when when, when they diminish, their funds diminish, and they end up failing. Right, they go bankrupt. Uh, at its peak in 2004, uh, Blockbuster Video had 9,094 stores worldwide. Anyone in here who doesn't know what Blockbuster Video is? Let's see your hands. Taylor, you know what Blockbuster is? Oh, whew. you've been taught history. <laughs> What year were you born? Oh, 2005. So, yeah, after their peak. Oh, my goodness. So, Blockbuster videos, back in the day, before Internet uh, and bef- before DVDs, you had, like, VHS tapes, right? I don't know if anyone knows what a VHS tape is, but you had to put it in a VCR, right? This old machine, and it would play on your TV. And But you would go to these video stores. You could just go, oh, Dad, let's watch... The Lion King tonight and I couldn't just pull up Disney Plus and go all right boom and project it on the TV. You would have to go to a store if you didn't buy it yourself and you could rent it. You take it home and you just pray to God that not everyone beat you to it because there was only going to be a certain amount of copies that they had. And can anyone else remember the mad dash to Blockbuster video on a Friday night trying to get there before, you know, the last uh Star Wars Phantom Menace was taken off the shelf. <laughs> all right. Well, you would have to go and You would rent these videos and you'd take them back, and right. Well, back in 2004, they were at their peak 9,094 stores. However, the arrival of Netflix everyone in here has heard of Netflix, right? Netflix started out as a video delivery service. You would go online and you would say, Hey, I want to rent this video, and they would mail it to you, right? It wasn't streaming yet, but every you know, they were making a bunch of money, and then they started to fail because you know. Everyone wasn't, they weren't getting these DVDs uh, sent to them. They were streaming stuff, so then they changed into a streaming service. Well, I believe there's only one Blockbuster video left. I think it's in uh, Washington State. But Blockbuster, they suffered massive losses in the early 2000s because their product diminished. The need for them diminished. Charity was demonstrated by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago at Calvary. The effects of that were immediate. All right? you read in the book of Acts, thousands of people were getting saved early on. Uh, in Acts chapter four, that's you don't have to turn there, but I was you know just reading. Oh man, right off the bat, you get you know you have Pentecost in Acts chapter two. Um, you see a bunch of people you know getting saved there. You can see people getting saved in uh, chapter four. Um, Let's see. I think there's about five thousand people. Yeah, in four, four. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. All right. So this, the impact of that charity that Jesus Christ showed on Calvary was immediate. It was immense. It was powerful, and it it hasn't diminished from that point. It's still just as powerful as it was that back then. People, sinners are still saved by that same charity. That charity still washes away all sin when Paul gets a, when Paul gets saved in Acts chapter eight you know what he was doing he was on the road to Damascus what to imprison and kill Christians for what they believed what they were preaching I mean he was holding the coats of all those people that that stoned Stephen in, in, in law that's what an accomplice <laughs> he's guilty of it he's guilty of murder he's guilty of killing Christians and yet the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin I I don't care what sin you've committed or what sin you might commit in the future the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all that sin why because of charity charity never diminishes charity won't fail you that same charity is the charity that saves men today and it hasn't diminished one bit still has the power to save, still has the power to wash away sins. It has not changed. Why? Because charity never fails. Charity never diminishes. Thank God charity never deserts, won't leave you behind. Husbands have deserted their wives. Wives have deserted their husbands. Fathers and mothers have deserted their kids. Pastors have deserted their congregations. Christians have deserted their churches and their fellow Christians. That happens when there's an absence of charity, a giving love, love, an unselfish love. Selfishness replaces charity, and then people develop eye problems. I just don't want to go anymore. I don't feel like it. I don't want. I can't. I won't. When there's a lack of charity, there's eye problems. And there's desertion. See, see Christians leaving their posts all the time. Last week we preached how charity charity doesn't quit. Charity endures all things. Charity doesn't desert. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We've got the promise. You know what charity is? It's eternal. It's eternal security. God said, you know what? I'm never going to leave you. Because charity doesn't fail. Charity doesn't desert. Charity doesn't it doesn't diminish. You can't get away with it. You can't do away with it. You can't get away from it. It's here forever. Thank God we have eternal security. There's nothing that I can do to mess up my salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me. I, I went to Calvary, asked for forgiveness, got it. And even though when I mess up now, it's not going to affect my eternal destination. It might affect my uh, immediate fellowship with the Lord, but I can get that right. I can, but I am sealed unto the day of redemption. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Because not, I'm not kept by my power, but my faithfulness. I'm kept by the power of God. Amen. That's charity. Charity won't desert you. You may desert charity like the prodigal son did. He had charity. He had everything. Living at, the, at his father's house, he wanted for nothing. Didn't need anything, but he wanted some things. He wanted everything that he, that he deserved, Right, everything that was owed to him. Sounds like a lot of kids today, a lot of teenagers, a lot of young adults today that think their parents just owe them everything. Give me, give me, give me. He left charity. He left the father's house. The father said, all right, I'll give you whatever you ask for. You know That's, that's how God works sometimes. When you want something your way, you better be careful. God might give it to you just how you want it. You'll end up in the pig pen just like the prodigal. He, he left charity. But charity didn't desert him. Charity will never desert you. When he, came to, when he came to his mind, his right mind, he came to himself. He said, you know what? I'm in. There's a great famine, and, and apparently there's still enough food at his father's house for the servants are eating. Everyone's taken care of. He's, man, I'm just going to go back, and I just want to be a servant. If I could just be a slave there, I could get everything. I'll be taken care of. there's food enough for me to eat, that's, that's good enough for me. And as he's heading back, that father sees him coming down that long dirt road. And the father doesn't wait for him to come all the way to the front door. He runs out there and meets him because right? he has charity. That charity doesn't fail. That, that charity didn't desert the prodigal. prodigal deserted charity. Charity won't ever desert you. Another great thing about charity, it's never destroyed. <laughs> you can't do away with it. Things get destroyed all the time by a multitude of different reasons. Houses can be destroyed by fire. Right, we had a guy at work last weekend, lost, lost everything he had to a house fire. Pray for him. His name's Drake. And he's in, you know, in, in a tough spot right now, lost everything. Right, just a little fire. <laughs> a little fire t- can destroy. Alright? Fires destroy things all the time. Um, sometimes nature. Can destroy things. You know, it's been pretty windy here the last few days, but sometimes these storms come through with a bunch of wind or rain, they can start knocking down trees and, and destroy things. Um, and you never have to use your uh, homeowner's insurance to fix something that got messed up in a storm or a flood or something. Well, it's, it's just something getting destroyed by nature. Sometimes it just naturally happens. Sometimes by neglect, things are destroyed. Sometimes people destroy them. We talked about that bridge over there. That thing's getting destroyed right now. The old one is, right? It, it decayed for a long time. Now it's being destroyed by people, <laughs> by demo contractors taking that thing down. Charity can't be destroyed. In Daniel chapter two, uh, Daniel's telling that story, tell, giving the interpretation of the king's dream of that image, and we know that that that. Uh, That last image that he sees, or the image that he sees, he talks about the last kingdom, right? We know it's a timeline of the times of the Gentiles. The last kingdom is going to come in, and he says, uh, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. God's coming back. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Uh, First, he's going to rapture us out of here. Then you're going to have a tribulation period. And then, he's gonna, then you're going to have the second advent where he comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom. For a thousand years, he's going to rule and reign. And then after that thousand years, there'll be a short span where the devil's loose for a little season. You've got the battle of Gog and Magog. And then after that, you have all eternity where there's a kingdom set up that can never be destroyed. All right? Because charity never faileth, it can't be destroyed. No one can, can destroy the love of God, you can't destroy charity. It never fails. Last of all, charity never dies. You know, failure can result in death. <laughs> if, if your seatbelt fails when you hit a tree, it can result in death. Charity never dies. It's eternal. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Charity never dies. It's eternal. Charity will get you through a lot of things because it won't fail. It cannot fail. Charity never faileth. Why? Because charity is of God. If it's of God, that means it's, one, it's powerful. Two, it's faithful. Three, it's eternal. Just like God, charity never faileth. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you, God, for your word. Lord, and we thank you, God, for charity. Thank you, God, for loving me with a love that cannot be broken, cannot be destroyed. It doesn't diminish, doesn't decay. Lord, you won't desert us. Thank you, God, for just being so good to us, giving us something that we don't deserve, God. But, Lord, giving us also an example for us to follow. God, I pray that you help us have more charity, have have a better appreciation for the love of God, demonstrated more in our lives towards you, towards each other, and towards the lost world, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.